When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Just too strong. You saw me in the gym yesterday. Clearly, I worked out a little too hard. Chris Canty. Hippos are more responsible for death in the, the wild than any of the other big five. Evan Cohen. I got to be honest. I don't know what the big five is. Those are the schools in Philadelphia. We've been asking you for your best and worst sports moments of the year. On Unsportsmanlike, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Some of you have been tweeting your responses at me, which you can do throughout the show. At Courtney R. Cronin is my handle on Twitter, or X. Mike's is at Mike Rothstein. Heather Good just sent one in. 2023 best moment in sports this year was the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. The worst moment was Evan Cohen saying that Outcast is overrated. Wait, Heather what? Want, that's what? That's apparently what Evan said. We're going to get... I'm stand by. I believe I'm hearing something from the control room. Oh, wait, Pat, there are our correspondent here. Can you bring us up this moment? Do you remember when this happened? Uh, yes, Evan Cohen said Outcast is overrated. End of report. Why did he say that? Because he believes that they are overrated. Okay, there you have it. Our, our, uh, Pat Costello, from the- ESPN. Thank you. Um, Heather <laughs> wants to let Evan know if he's listening right now. She still loves him. Evan, Canty, Michelle will be back. January 2nd, so Tuesday, and then we'll officially be able to say Happy New Year. Don't say it a minute too soon, otherwise Pacastello, who you just heard there, my correspondent in Bristol, um, he doesn't like that. But there's plenty of things he doesn't like. He's already had his moment. We don't have more time to dwell on things that are negative because it's a feel-good Friday here on ESPN Radio. We've got a ton of NFL games to get into in Week 17. Mike and I are covering one a little bit lower down the uh, importance list, Bears and Falcons this weekend. But the one that I've got my eye on is Dolphins-Ravens. Baltimore coming home after winning one in Jacksonville, then winning one in nowhere close of fashion uh, on the road at San Francisco. They have a Miami team now, Mike, that's banged up. But when we were just talking with Charlie Weiss, four-time Super Bowl champion coach, longtime coach of the New England Patriots over at Notre Dame as well in the college ranks, he said that he really wasn't all that worried about some of those injuries, the notable ones, Jalen Waddle, high ankle sprain. He's probably not playing. He was DNP the last couple of days. Uh, Devon Achan did not practice. Or excuse me, Raheem Mostert did not practice. They're running back. Uh, two was dealing with a thumb injury. I mean, they've got a pretty lengthy injury report as it currently stands. Uh, Devon Achan was limited with a toe. Um are you are you on the side with coach on this, or are you more along the lines of like I am worried about this Dolphins team trying to travel on the road and go face a Baltimore team that is surging at the right time? Well, I'd be worried this week. I, I would be worried this week because you want you need to be at full strength to really beat Baltimore. But we've also seen Miami all year. If it hasn't been Waddle, it's been Tyreek Hill. On Tyreek Hill, it sounds like we'll play. If it hasn't been Hill, it's been Waddle. If it hasn't been Mostert, Achan's been in and out of the lineup really since, what, week three or four, I believe, Courtney. And so you've seen this kind of rotating cast with Miami. So Mike McDaniel, in theory, would know how to handle it. But 
this is a different type of opponent than a lot of the opponents they've played this year. They also have to go on the road. So, to me, I would be concerned, but I'm also not super worried because if you're Miami, you're in the playoffs. That's the most important thing. You would rather be healthier in the playoffs than maybe for this game. Uh, against the Ravens they're coming off a big win too I know that it wasn't the highest of scoring affairs 22 to 20 win over the Dallas Cowboys but to come out victorious there against a team that is also headed towards the postseason and Dallas ends up playing a big one in its own right tomorrow with the Detroit Lions coming to town I feel like Miami's got to be feeling pretty good that after that baffling loss that they had on Monday Night Football to the Tennessee Titans where they you know, let a 14-point lead slide in a matter of two minutes in the fourth quarter. That version, when you've brought this up, and it's a good point, like at some point you need to get humbled in December so you can figure out what your issues are. That was the worst loss of the Mike McDaniel tenure with the Miami Dolphins. Feels like that was maybe the moment that they've learned from. I mean, they can't prevent injuries, but they do have other weapons. Tyreek Hill got hurt in that game. He did not play against the Jets. He was back last week. He's still on pace here for 2,000 yards. It's, you know, two games left. Can he get there? Can he not? That's a different story. But they still have speed. They still have a lot of weapons, despite a pretty lengthy injury report right now. And they had their humbling moment. Maybe that's what maybe that's what they needed in order to get past this Ravens team on the road. And if they do, do you think that will change your opinion of Miami? To me, it's it's going to tell me that they're locking up the AFC East and that Buffalo. Even though some people I saw I was checking my mentions earlier, some people disagree with me that Buffalo's been playing good football as of late. Um, I don't know. Going to Arrowhead despite an ugly win, you won the game despite an ugly win against a Chargers team, which you know teams are dangerous. After they fire their coach, yeah, that was a two-point win. They still won. They also kicked the crap out of Dallas. Like, Buffalo's a very dangerous team. But if if this Miami team goes on the road and beats the Ravens and, like, is is in line for still to to have the AFC East, which they have right now, it's just it could still – things go a different way the next two games. Buffalo still has a window to get there. Then I'm thinking that – Miami's running the table the rest of the season. They lock up the AFC East. They get their home playoff game, and then they are hopefully healthy in their own right come week one of the playoffs. Well, yeah, you you learn that Miami can go on the road and win and go on the road against a good opponent and win and go to a place that potentially they would have to go in the playoffs and win, and that can give you a bunch of confidence, especially if you don't have Jalen Waddle now, if you don't, say, have Raheem Mostert now, but you have them... In January, that ends up being huge. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of this, too, is if Miami wins, they would then have the tiebreaker for the number one overall seed, and they would be tied with Baltimore. So for Miami, this would be huge because then no matter what happens the next week, as long as Baltimore-Miami would have the same scenario occur, and obviously Cleveland theoretically can be – well. Cleveland could be in this conversation for the AFC North, and then if they won the AFC North, they would potentially be in the conversation mm-hmm. for the one seed as well because they're a game back right now as they're 11-5. and five. But if Miami wins this game, they could be playing in Hard Rock, and that would be a big advantage for them because they don't have to go into cold weather at that point, whether it affects speed or not. As you heard Charlie Weiss talk about earlier, it could affect ball handling. It could affect slipperiness. It could affect how a team kicks and, and field goals. 
So that, to me, could be a big benefit for the Dolphins if they're able to pull this off here this weekend. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Mike Rostein. I'm Courtney Cronin. We're sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this feel-good Friday. Um, There's more to get into on this game. We have plenty of Week 17 games across the slate. There's Saturday football. There's Sunday football. Monday is going to be... College football's day. Finally, the New Year's Six Bowl games are played on New Year's Day. Isn't that a fun concept? (laughs) Um, We'll get into those in a little bit, but we're taking your call still. Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Best moment of the year in sports, worst moment of the year in sports, but a little twist here before we get into those. Mike and I are writers. That's our day job. I know you've seen us here all week on ESPN Radio, but he covers the Falcons. I cover the Chicago Bears for ESPN.com. And we thought, like, you know, this is a moment, too. Like, we, have, we write hundreds of stories throughout the year, whether they're simple newsers about transactions, whether they're big things about coaches getting fired or moments that change the trajectory of your season. And, and I thought it'd be a good time like, Mike, do you have a story that stands out to you? It doesn't even have to be this, because I know you cover boxing and a myriad of other things for us here at ESPN. Like, is there a sports story that stands out to you, one that you wrote, one that, you know, you yeah. might still be writing uh, from 2023? Well, I, I'm not going to talk about anyone that's still writing right now, Courtney, because A, they'll run in 2024, and also I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm doing with that. But there was one in 2023 that really stood out more than any other, and it's because I spent pretty much the entire year, more or less working on it. I ended up doing two stories. One was about Jared Allen, the Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, and what him and Alex Karalexis, who is a former UFC fighter and in the UFC Hall of Fame because he was on the first season of Ultimate Fighter, they built houses for wounded amputee veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, and they've built mortgage-free homes all across the country over the last decade or so. It's really interesting what they do and i ended up going to one of these homes and one of the what they call key ceremonies where they give the the keys to the veterans and their family and one of the families that they've worked with is this man named bobby body bobby body lives in north now northern michigan i'm not going to say his exact town but bobby body got into an accident in iraq he, he blown up by an ied and he eventually had to have his leg amputated and by having his leg amputated, I'm giving a very Reader's Digest version of the story. I'll post the story on X and on threads uh, in the next break if you're interested because it's really an inspirational story. By having the amputation, it also helped him find powerlifting, Courtney. And what happened was he found out he was really good at it. So good, in fact, that he is now on the U.S. Paralympic powerlifting team. And earlier this year, he broke a world record, or not a world record, rather. He broke the para, para Pan Games, which is a para, para pan, basically the pan, uh, Paralympics for the Pan American Games. He broke the record there for powerlifting. He lifted like five, over 500 pounds, which is like wild, right? And he's competing against people half his age because he's 49 years old. And he, in doing so, has put himself on a pathway to represent the United States in Paris. And his story is one of the most impactful stories I've been fortunate enough to have people trust me with in my career because he's had a, he had a really rough childhood and with the amputation, he even went to the doctor on a Tuesday and they basically went to him. You have two choices. You can have your leg completely with a titanium rod. You can't bend it for the rest of your life, 
or you can become an amputee. He had to make the decision that day, and by Friday he was in. He basically became an amputee. His story is so powerful. Like I, I'm not doing a great job articulating it right now, only because it is so nuanced and detailed. But he got a mortgage-free home, and it, it meant so much to him. This is a guy who doesn't cry. I watched him openly like weep. Uh, that day at, at that ceremony. So I'll post that on X, but that's the story that really stood out to me this year. That's powerful stuff. There's um, there's a lot of that going around. There's been some really good sports journalism in 2023. I know this is an era where people aren't always pleased with things that are written and some of the stuff that comes out of teams and locker rooms and, and writers tend to be the first line of defense against that. And if you can Find these stories. If you have people who trust you to tell these sorts of stories, trust you with like intimate details about their life, life changing moments, then to deliver that in a way in which you did in that story, um, it's, it's not just doing it justice. That's it's helping people understand something, a part of life that they might not be able to. We're going to continue to talk about these moments. We're three days away now from New Year's Day. We still so we call this New Year's Eve, 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 or New Year's to the Third Power. Um, I believe that's what one of our callers said this morning. But we're taking your calls. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. That's the number to get in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. More of your best and worst sports moments from the 2023 season coming up next on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Michigan and Alabama, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Michigan's been here before. They have not won this. Alabama's been here before. They have won this. You're going to have probably the two teams that people love to hate the most. This is why you come to Michigan. They've only had their head coach for what, like four games this year? He's missed six. All year long, everybody has said what this Alabama team was not. And all they've done is continue to win, continue to stick together. For me, it's all about bragging rights. The Big Ten, the SEC. We are coming down the stretch of the college football season, bowl game action, a ton of it on your TV and on your radio today. We've got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, we've got the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and then Saturday, 
getting us one step closer to those New Year's Day college football playoff semifinals games. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein, here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Reese Davis up early out in Pasadena. You see him on college game day. You'll see him tomorrow. And then for a special edition on Saturday, on Monday, ahead of all of the New Year's Six games. And Reese, I, before we get into like the nitty gritty, the X's and O's, I have to ask your thoughts on the edible mascot from the Pop-Tarts Bowl last night. Well, I'll say this. Pop-Tarts are delightful. And I saw someone make the suggestion that that trophy needs to be upgraded to have a working toaster. And so I think it's, I think it's a great thing uh, to have any, any Pop-Tart is a, is a good thing. If you have a Pop-Tart, your day started off on the right foot. Yeah, it's uh, when the, Mike and I were trying to figure out the pop tart goes into the life size toaster and then comes out without <laughs> without the person in it. So I wasn't sure if it was a different pop tart, if the costume itself was edible. But we did see the players uh, from Kansas State enjoying a bite of that on a Thursday night. Like we've got the we've got so much football to get into. Here. So CFP semifinal Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential. That is Alabama and Michigan. That's the first game on Monday of the CFP semifinal games and then we've got the all-state sugar bowl washington and texas followed after that you can hear both of those games right here on espn radio it's been weeks since these teams played in their conference championships and then got themselves into the cfp semifinals in the time that's passed and since you've been out there what is the the overarching biggest storyline right now coming out of the cfp semifinals before we get to these games I think whether it is, even though the odds makers may differ a little bit, whether it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to have a Texas-Alabama rematch, because I think most people seem to feel that way that I've talked to anyway, certainly you know not the Michigan players. And I think Washington is being underestimated just a little bit. Uh, you know, this is a team that's got a um, high-level offensive line. They've obviously got one of the top quarterbacks in the country and, and Michael Penix. They've got the best receiving core in the country. And I think whether Washington can surprise Texas and make its way in and whether Michigan can get over the hump because, as you guys have, have talked about, Michigan's history in the postseason uh, predating Harbaugh pretty much forever has not been strong. It's been one of frustration, and I think this would be an opportunity for them to break through in a way that, um, you know, in a way really that they haven't. They haven't won or played for a championship in the BCS or the college football playoff era. So there's a lot at stake for Michigan here, and and I think, um, you know, as I heard someone say in your promo coming in, these two teams in Pasadena are the two that people hate the most. Uh, Alabama for two reasons. One, because they've won so much. And Michigan, because of all of the uh, Connor Stallions sign-stealing stuff. So, you know, this is going to be fascinating theater, whether you're a Michigan or Alabama fan or whether you're a fan who just uh, wants to find a way that perhaps both of them could lose. Don't tell that to Jim Harbaugh. He still thinks that they're America's team. You know, I don't, <laughs> not, not, sure. I, I guess why not? I mean, I covered Michigan for four years. I, they're not. Uh, but when you look, but when you look at Michigan, but, but right? Jim, but you know, you know, if you if you covered them for four years, then you, you know, Jim has his own perspective on things, and we're not going to vary from that. 
Oh, so, for you know? sure. <laughs> well, I mean, Reese, I covered him when, when Rich Rod and Brady Hoke were there. So that was a different perspective of what was going on yeah. in that program at that time. <laughs> but when you look at that, this team, this is a team that has been there before. So are people maybe discounting the fact that they have this high level of experience and that they haven't been able to kind of get past this portion of the schedule? Well, I, I ranked them number one in the preseason. I thought they were the best team in the country coming into the season. And, um, you know, they've got – I don't know that they're quite as strong as they were last year. Hey, look, all due respect to TCU, TCU won the game. They outplayed Michigan significantly on that particular day. But as we know in sports, the best team doesn't always win. The team that plays better uh, during those 60 minutes or those nine innings or whatever it might be, the team that plays better wins the game. TCU played better and deserved to win the game. But Michigan, in my judgment, was the better team. So I think they've got that sort of sticking in their craw a little bit. And as you said, that there are a lot of guys who were involved in that really the last two years. They were overmatched against Georgia a couple of years ago. But last year, I think they would have given Georgia uh, a really good game. So I think there's some motivation that you derive from that. Um, There are areas of this team that is not quite as strong as last year, while their offensive line is still excellent. Uh, Even without Zach Zenter, their star who was was hurt late in the season and won't be able to play, um, they're they're not as good as they were last year. That doesn't mean they aren't really good, because last year they were the best offensive line in the country, you know, won the Joe Moore Award. So I think there are some differences in, in this team, but I also think that there is uh, there is an experience factor. There's a hunger factor. Um, there's a there's a desire to atone, uh, particularly from say JJ McCarthy, who had a number of turnovers in the semifinal game against uh, TCU last year. So I think there there's a lot of uh, a lot of motivation on Michigan's side, and then certainly they've been able to add a little fuel to it with all of the uh, extracurricular activities they've gone through this year. Reese Davis of College Game Day fame joining us here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of that Joe Moore Award, the Washington offensive line, that's the award that goes to the best offensive line in college football. The Washington offensive line won that this year. They've got Texas in the Sugar Bowl. They also have Kalen DeBoer, who won Coach of the Year in 2023. What kind of challenge does this Washington team with – the talent that they have across the board going up against a pretty darn good, talented quarterback and receiving core in Texas with Quinn Ewers and company. What challenge does Washington pose here? Like, what is the biggest threat that Texas is going to have to guard against? Uh, it, I, look, it's a great matchup from that offensive line and the defensive line of Texas, particularly on the interior with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, both of whom are just sensational and have controlled um, a great majority of the games that the Longhorns have been in this year. And that's the biggest thing to me. Can they pressure Michael Penix in the middle, get him off his spot, because Michael is is better um, when he's on his spot, as most quarterbacks are. I mean, you know, not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, he's he's absolutely lethal if you don't if you don't get to him. And he's fearless and he'll throw the ball down the field and I think they've got the uh, Texas got a great receiving core, but I think Washington has the best one in the country. So Texas has shown some vulnerability in the back end. 
So if they, you know, that's the that's the threat that they pose is that Washington can score quickly. They're fearless in their play calling. I mean, just have a have a look at that fourth and one from your own twenty nine in a rivalry game late in the fourth quarter, and they run an option reverse to Romo Dunze against Washington State and get the first down, drive down, and kick the game winning field goal. They've won a bunch of close games. I think it's uh, I think it's nine in a row by ten points or fewer. Um, you know, and only one of those was actually, you know, 10 point, the rest of them, you know, single digit, one possession type games. They, they know how to win close games. So does Texas. So I, I think that because of the Alabama, Michigan brand and the Rose Bowl brand sort of uh, getting a lot of attention, if people aren't locked in on the high level of ball that they're going to see in the Sugar Bowl that night after the Rose Bowl, uh, both of those teams can win the national championship e- easily. Um, or not, nobody's going to win it easily. But you know what I mean. It's not going to be some massive surprise if either Texas or Washington is lifting the trophy in Houston. Reese, we were talking about Pop-Tarts when, when you called in, and it got me thinking that so many of these bowl games have um, – they're, they're named after edible things, or there's edible trophies in some ways. <laughs> you've got the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl – uh, it's I have a two-part thing here. First, is there one of the bowl games that you're like, you know what, if I would eat that particular edible-type trophy, and is there one that you're like, you know, I wish there was like a St. Elmo's Bowl because then I can get a shrimp cocktail. Is there one that you're sitting out like, I really <laughs> wish that that would happen? That that's a great that's a great idea. St. Elmo's cocktail sauce uh, bowl, and you know maybe in that case, sort of like in college game day basketball a few years ago, we had a contest, and the loser had to had to eat a big spoon of that. And Jay Williams, who who famously didn't realize how hot it was when we were at dinner at St. Elmo's one night, and and had a big bite of the cocktail sauce, and a vein started protruding from his head, and he started sweating. Um, <clears throat> the loser had to eat a giant spoon of the cocktail sauce. I actually think that should be reserved for winners because it's delicious. Um, so that would be one. That's a great idea, St. Elmo's cocktail sauce bowl. Um, I think you could, anywhere in the South, should have some type of barbecue bowl. Memphis, maybe the Liberty Bowl. I know there's a lot of history there, but maybe Rendezvous Ribs could co-sponsor it, and, you know, and people could get a, you know, back of, a rack of ribs and a plate of sausage and cheese from Rendezvous there to celebrate that would be a good thing um so i think all of those would be good and as i've mentioned earlier pop tarts are delicious so i would certainly uh, i would certainly have a bite of a, of a pop tart in celebration i know it's six thirty in the morning where you are in california and i'm sure that this barbecue talk is just doing wonders for your hunger but we appreciate it thanks so much for getting up early with us we'll all be tuned in to college game day tomorrow it is back and then back again on monday new year's day getting you ready for the cfp semifinals games Reese, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Reese. Okay, you guys have a great day and a great weekend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. College Game Day is presented by Samsung. Samsung is awesome. Let me tell you why. This Saturday, get game ready with the Samsung Bespoke 4-Door Flex Refrigerator with Family Hub Plus from the Home Depot. Straight ahead, more of your calls on the best sports moment of the year, the worst sports moment of the year. Let's get some college football ones going. I know that there are plenty of them. We saw some awesome games this year. We saw some awesome individual moments, especially from those four teams that are going to be playing in the CFP semifinals come Monday. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. More of your calls coming up next here on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Some really good best and worst sports moments of the year pouring in on my Twitter feed. Courtney R. Cronin on X. Mike is at Mike Rothstein. We're here filling in for Evan Canty and Michelle on Unsportsmanlike, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. This one coming in from CB. The best is Mr. Bedard, the magician coming to the Hawks, meaning Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick, the phenom at 18 years old. Not a great team, but from a trajectory standpoint, they add more pieces around him. This could be a team that ends up like those 2015 uh, uh, Stanley Cup champion teams. The worst moment from Mr. CB, the moment I realized all my future bets on Justin Fields and my Bears were trash. Um, appreciate you listening, my guy. Uh, hopefully, Field, if you have any of those on Fields and the Bears this weekend, they'll be able to uh, pay off. Um, a couple others. This one from Long Strange Trip, 1970. Best sports moment of 2023 was UConn obliterating the field in the NCAA tournament to win their fifth national title since 99. V3 Nam Venom, I believe that's what that's supposed to say. Best sports moment, number eight seed Miami Heat making the improbable finals run. We haven't talked about that one enough. Like, playoff Jimmy, Himmy, as, as I know that you wouldn't like him to be called that. But um, what what a cool story for them to, you know, they ran out of gas, more or less, when they faced off with the Denver Nuggets, who were far and away the best team in the West last year. Best team in basketball, but... To watch, oh my gosh, I'm like still getting chills thinking about watching them force in game seven against the Boston Celtics, um, or Boston force in that game, and, and seeing them come through at the end after just some clutch shooting down the stretch. That was a fun run. A uh, couple more here. Worst, or I guess is best, Dan Snyder selling the Washington Commanders. Far and away the best sports moment of the year from at Mark Fulton. Worst sports moment, Aaron Rodgers getting injured in the season opener. Best sports moment, Las Vegas, the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. That's from Anthony Mark. So some really good ones. We appreciate you guys calling in uh, and tweeting to us throughout the show here on Unsportsmanlike. Let's go into the studio. I know that... Um, you know, some people have have teams that they're fans of that that stink, but they're also fans of teams that are good. So, Javante Lawrence, what is your best sports moment of the year? It is the Detroit Lions for obvious reasons. They're probably the best thing going on in Detroit right now. They obviously won a division after 30 years, which is older than me. 
So I've never seen that before, and I don't know how to feel about winning the division. I guess it's a good thing because they got a home playoff game. I was about to say, be happy. Like, yeah, I am happy. You should be feeling great. I really feel great, but, but you life. know it was like raining on my parade. The This has just been uh, messing up everything. Like, you know, I've been excited all week, and, you know, the end of the week comes, and the Pistons lose again and ruining my whole week. Oh, uh, 2-29, and 29, 28 straight losses. That ties the trust the po- process. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, a streak that spanned two seasons. They can go for the record tomorrow when they play Toronto. Like, how would you feel about that, Mr. Pistons fan? Like, if they get the all-time record, you know we're talking about this come Monday when we're here on New Year's Day. Like, can you take any solace in the fact that people are talking about your team, or is it just more embarrassment? More embarrassment. I mean, I guess it's good for Kay Cunningham. People know he exists, so... You probably get asked for a trade uh, sooner you. or later. Thank you. Thank you. That's <laughs> so, what I might So that's the positive thing out of it, if there's any positivity thing coming out of this losing streak. Mike thought my trade request for Cade Cunningham was bizarre and absurd, and I'm sure the Pistons <laughs> would not trade him either, but do right by your player. Tom Gore, sell the team, man. This is just, you know, this is getting out of hand. Uh, sell the team is right. I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who generally, like, pushes for that unless it's Daniel Snyder, but... Yeah, Tom Gores, it ain't working. It hasn't worked. You all, like, you've set this thing back. You've helped make bad decisions. No, 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 no. None of this is good, man. Like, just look into maybe moving on from from this because you know everything good, Courtney, is good, Courtney, except for the winning. The winning. Oh yeah, that's... everything's good. Everything's great except for the winning uh, in the head of Tom Gores. But the the reason with the Kate Cunningham thing is just it doesn't behoove the Pistons at all. Of course not. But Kate Cunningham should ask for it, but I don't, for I, sure I, if I were the Pistons, I wouldn't grant it. You know, Tom Gore has apparently held a, a Q&A with select media members in Detroit the other day, those who cover the Pistons, and was just aghast at the fact that people were saying that he needs to sell the team or even questioning him as an owner because of all the philanthropy he does in the city of Detroit, which, which very well may be true, but doesn't, is it true? He doesn't live in Detroit that like, he's kind of profiting off of a city that, um, you know, he's not actually there for, and very clearly an absentee owner in a lot of respects for this poor Pistons team that is floundering, just paid Monty Williams gobs of money, it locked into him for six years, and a young core that doesn't have any direction. No, they do not. By the way, he, he lives in California, but he is from Michigan, and he, he went to Michigan State. He's been there, so it's not like he came in and had no ties to the state or, or the city or anything like that. Like, there are ties there, but he lives out in Beverly Hills. How come Matt Ishbia didn't buy the Pistons when they went up for sale, when they, like, have been up for sale before? He's, I don't know he's if a he Michigan had, State guy. I don't know if he had the money at that point. I mean, he's, Gores has owned the team for 11, 12 years now. Yeah, so and, I don't Ish, know. and what did the, the Suns were, $6 billion, something like that, to buy, or yeah. maybe less? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to go check my finances. But if you want me to like consult about this, maybe, maybe I'll lend you some money uh, once I hit the Powerball. <laughs> but I would be willing to, Javante, if you want me to be the owner of the team once I strike it rich in the lottery, um, I'll be happy to not trade. Can't do any worse. Yeah, no, literally, literally, it's rock bottom. Well. <laughs> and it could be, it could be a lot worse. It might be worse tomorrow. Triple um, eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Gary in Virginia, I did ask for some college football games or moments of the year that stand out. Uh, you've got a worst college football game. You're an unsportsmanlike. Oh, oh Gary. Gary. You're on, uh, you're thanks on for calling, Radio, Gary. Appreciate guy. it. All right. Well, well that, 
worst moment of the year goes to Gary. Good job, Thanks, Gary. Gary. <laughs> okay, making us hit the dump button on a Friday morning. Todd in Pittsburgh, please don't fail us like Gary in Virginia. What's going on, man? Hey, good morning. Um, I got a, a best sports story, but I think it's under the radar. I think it's in the top ten, though. I got to go with Coco Goff getting over the hump. Todd, that's a good one. That's a really uh, good one. You know, in women's tennis this year, I mean, I know that we – like all summer long, we were talking about Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, and like their, you know, just battles that they had on the grass at Wimbledon. And then, of course, what Joker did getting his 24th uh, title, the record, tying the record at the U.S. Open. But what Coco Goff did throughout the last couple of months and seeing, you know, that moment with her and her dad is going to be like seared into my brain after after she won. Um, that, and that's it's at a time where the sports calendar is, you know, it's got tennis, it's got golf, but it's a slower time. But I remember when we were hosting radio in the summertime, we talked about, you know, the, the, the French open, the, you know, what was happening at Wimbledon, what happened with her at the U S open, like all of those things in a time where women's tennis is transitioning, whether it was Iga Svantec, Coco Golf, like these names that are now becoming household, like she cemented herself in that, as, as he said, coming, you know, getting, him, getting herself over the hump. She did. And I grew up in New York. I used to go to the U.S. Open every year. Like the first Open I went to actually was the Sampras Agassi final, that first one old but that's like going to the super bowl for your first football i know it was very (laughs) exciting to go to that i mean but at that point sampras and agassi you know you just knew that they were young they're very similar to coco golf and that's where my point is is that what happens is that moment that you talked about with coco golf and her dad that's going to be replayed every u.s open for probably the next two decades that that moment in highlight packages when you're talking about her every, almost every match that she's part of if she ends up getting to more US Open finals like that was an iconic moment because she really ended up taking the stage and really in some ways taking the mantle from the Williams sisters who had carried this sport for so long and she's now the next generation of that the women's side of the US Open this year between Coco Goff and then Caroline Wozniacki making a comeback and really having a pretty impressive run herself kind of said, hey, this is the next group after the Williams sisters, Maria Sharapova, who retired Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Obviously, Serena retires last year. This is a big help for women's tennis because like we were talking about women's basketball earlier, Courtney, this can now take another step forward for a sport that's been gaining a lot of attention over the last decade. She won the U.S. Open for her first Grand Slam title. She's only 19 years old, one of the brightest young stars in sports, not just in tennis, but in all of sports. We will remember that name, Coco Goff, and hopefully it sets her up to have a big 2024. We will set ourselves up to head into the new year coming up next our most unsportsmanlike moment of the year not just the day (laughs) but the year there's a whole lot to choose from not a lot of time that's coming up next espn radio the espn app we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was terrible. Was not a great look. So this extends not just of the day, but of the year. The most unsportsmanlike moment of 2023 here on Unsportsmanlike. Courtney Kern and Mike Rothstein sitting in for the crew on this New Year's Eve, 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 as always presented by Progressive Insurance. I had to think about this for a second because this is a long year. Like you and I cover NFL teams. That is a year-long job. Um, There's a lot of moments, bad ones and good ones, that happen in a season. But – I I dug not as deep as I thought I had to because our last caller, um, who just had some technical difficulties and couldn't get on the air, but he had a good one. So I will go last on this because I am going to steal what he said because he just couldn't make it on for some reason. Mike Rothstein, lead us off here. Your most unsportsmanlike moment of 2023. Yeah, I am going to the WNIT, Courtney. Now, you might say, well, wait. No, WNIT? I know exactly where you're going with this. I know you're going, but our, our listeners may I, I don't know other people will remember this, but there was a Memphis Bowling Green basketball game in the WNIT, and Memphis's Jamira Shoots, and I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong, ended up throwing a punch at the face of Bowling Green player Alyssa Brett. There ended up being charges filed over this punch, and I thought about it this week because... Last weekend, and we talked about this, I believe, on Monday, an Eastern Michigan football player charged at a South Alabama football player after the game was over to punch that player. So I'm going to take those two moments. You're punching a player after a game? Like, just stop. Like, reevaluate what you're doing. As we hear all the anxiety, this is supposed to be a positive song, Pat. I don't know what we're doing here, so I'm going to add well, this. Well, I realized you were going to go this heavy with it. We thought it was, this was like a fun way to end the year. And well, you were like, people well, keep punching like each other. Like, so now I'm going to throw me for being unsportsmanlike for not understanding what you wanted out well, of no, this. So there had, we go. All three done. a good done. one because the women's basketball handshake line <laughs> – Ended up being one of the most controversial spots in sports in 2023. Remember Haley Van Lith when she was with Louisville, got into it with some Texas player who wanted to talk smack to her after a game. Like, do we have to do this again? Like, can we just like shake hands and move on? Like, whatever happened to sportsmanship? Apparently, apparently that doesn't exist. I mean, the the show is called Unsportsmanlike, so that's fine. Um, I like those, Mike. Pat, what do you have? Uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey getting into a relationship this year. Is the most unsportsmanlike moment of the year because it's ruined my life for the past however many months it's been happening. 
Were, were you? It's been were you so dating over Ta- the top. Were you secretly dating Taylor Swift beforehand? And, no. And this ended that. Then okay. Why it's do you care? Because it's so over the top. There's so much, and it's just so much all the time. Why and it's it's kind of ruined the NFL this they season. Found each it has other. not why? ruined the NFL this season. Why 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 you gotta hate people that that just is, found love? Is she the reason that the Chiefs receivers can't catch passes? I, it so, could be. Yeah, could be. Could Who be? knows? Do you have concrete evidence? Is that the why? Like Matt Nagy asked about the why. Is that the why? No. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I don't like yours as much as I like. Yeah, Mike's. yours is not good. Um, dude. Cam, do you have one? Did you just call me Pete? No, I, I said not. dude. <laughs> okay, uh, I have two. Uh, one is the, and this is biased because I'm an Eagles fan, but the Super Bowl ending on a penalty stunk. That was very anticlimactic, even for any fans. It was like a great Super Bowl, and now it's just kind of like a wet fart of an ending. <laughs> and my other one is from today. I had to bring it up because we still haven't yet. So we had that whole conversation about how Courtney didn't know who James Conn was. We immediately get off the air, and she says, Oh, have you guys seen Brian's song? He's in Brian's song. <laughs> Wait, he's so, in Brian's song? Yes, Courtney. Do you guys our... know what Brian's song is? <laughs> James Conn was in that. Yeah, let that me was tell 50 you how years that, ago. Let me tell you how that happened. It wasn't 50 years ago. The movie came out, I believe, in nineteen in 1990. It was 1971. Um, okay. That's 50 years ago. Is that? Oh my God! Is that really fifty years ago? Yeah. Gosh, oh, yeah. actually, over fifty years yeah. ago. <laughs> oh, woof! I thought it was a '90s movie because I saw it during the '90s when I was a child growing up in Chicago, and it used to like air every year on ABC. Did you just think that um, every movie that you ever saw came out that year? <laughs> that classic 1999 movie, Casablanca. Um, no, just because like I live in an era where I think that the '70s happened 20 years ago because I still think it's the 1990s. I know I'm not alone in that. How that came to be. And me not realizing that that was James Kahn was that one of my Twitter followers, who I don't have time to look it up right now, but bless you for saying, Courtney, I'm like so disappointed in you. Like he was in Brian's song, which is the like incredible story about Brian Piccolo who died. Um, yep. He was a Chicago Bears fullback and he had this like tragic end to his life. But it was a story between him and Gail Say- Sayers. And there's an award that we go to every year in April, right before the draft. The Bears gave out it's a, their sportsmanship award to Brian Pick to Brian Piccolo and it was just it was an awesome movie so if you haven't seen it watch it and and now I guess I, I know that who James Conn is I'm an idiot it's it's my fault also to, to your point Pat though about the um the Juju Smith-Schuster thing when he tweeted the most unsportsmanlike moment after the James Bradbury hold was when Juju put out that va- fake valentine that said I'll hold you when it matters most that was unsportsmanlike um where did the odd long saying go like where is it I need my music Odd Lang Sang? How do I do Oh, my God. Oh my God. That's no. the most unsportsmanlike word in here. It's What's o- wrong with my pronunciation? It's Old Lang Syne. Shut up. <laughs> what did you just say? Where Odd is Odd Lang Sin? Odd Lang Sin. Okay, well, I don't have enough time oh. to, like, retort to that because I want to take the one that our caller what is was your retort? about. Maybe it's my accent that got caught up in it. Mario Cristobal not taking a knee in that game when Miami lost um, after they decided their halfback was just going to run and try to get another yard. He fumbles. Georgia Tech goes the other way, and they lose that game. You see the player on the sideline very clearly saying, what are we doing in not such kind words? Um, But that was a moment, I think, that stood out from the college football season. Mike Rothstein, um, just some wild times. There's there's, college football after dark always, always delivers. 
Absolutely. Unfortunately, there won't be any Pac-12 after dark anymore. No, rest the death peace. of the Pac-12. Rest in peace, Pac-12. Man. Courtney, this has been a pleasure all week. Thank you all for to everybody, and uh, I hope everybody has a happy New Year's Eve and then a New Year's Eve and a New Year's Eve. That is true. We will be back on Monday. Greeny with Gabe Neitzel and Jordan Ronan coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.